Again. I don't know. <laughs> the call-in number is 877-795-0122. Again, 877-795-0122. It's really an open forum uh, format here where you can call in with any question that you have. But uh, like I mentioned, Father uh, is an expert in canon law, so uh, he'd probably be more than happy to field those kinds of questions if you have them. And, uh, you know, we'd just like to get a conversation started here. But before we do that, Father, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do there at the diocese? Well, I'm the judicial vicar of the diocese, and so basically I handle uh, the tribunal, canonical affairs, uh, anything pretty much uh, about church law comes comes through our office. I'm also a pastor at Kindred, uh, which is a small town just south of Fargo. Okay, great. And uh, if you want, um, you know, you're on the. Did you mention the tribunal? I'm sorry, I, I was kind of distracted for just a minute there. I did, and that's the tribunal handles uh, primarily uh, marriage. Uh, situations, marriage annulments, things like that. So we spend a lot of our time working with those things. Yeah, I think a lot of our in- listeners might be interested to you know to hear a little bit about the tribunal, how it works, what it does. You know, you don't do divorces. It's an entirely different uh, process that you're dealing with. Why don't you spend a little bit of time and uh, tell us about that? Well, that's correct, and sometimes people mistakenly say, well, an annulment is just Catholic divorce. Uh, that's not the case at all. What an annulment tries to do is determine whether or not that the consent that was exchanged between the two people, uh, the promises they, they made with each other, may be made at the time thinking they were in goodwill and thinking everything was fine, but in fact that there was something lacking, something missing, something uh, was a miss uh, from the very beginning. And so, in fact, it, it was uh, a marriage uh, in a civil sense, but not in a Catholic sense. And so uh, we try to determine, okay, is, was that marriage then null from the very beginning? And that's not a judgment on the parties. Uh, the, the parties are not on trial. You know, it's not like what you see on People's Court or something on TV. Um, it's the the actual consent that they give uh, to each other that was on trial. And people sometimes enter into marriage uh, thinking things are fine, they are of goodwill, but maybe they were uh, very immature at the time, maybe there was something uh, wrong, maybe uh, they had addiction problems or something like that. There's all kinds of of reasons and things that factor in uh, in the complexities of of modern life that would make a marriage uh, invalid. And so we try to help people to look at their marriage and then to say, okay, was this valid? Was it invalid? Because every Catholic has the right to approach the tribunal to ask uh, for a judgment to be made. And so that's what they do when they come to us for the, the decree of nullity is they're, they're asking us to look at this. Now, there's no guaranteed outcome. Sometimes we look at it and we say, well, the marriage, the marriage was a valid marriage. Uh, sometimes they're good with that. They think that's 
that's what they wanted to hear. Other times, that's not what they wanted to hear. So there's, uh, there's no guaranteed outcome on this, but we guarantee that we look at it very carefully according uh, to the laws of the church and try to help people uh, to deal with their situation regardless of what it is. And so some, some people, they go through this annulment, they receive an annulment, and then they've, they've learned a lot from that, and they want to enter maybe into a new union, and when they do, they can enter into it avoiding what was the problem uh, from the first one. Yeah, I know. I know. I've 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 heard a number of people say that that who have gone through the process, you know, they were reluctant to uh, undertake it in the first instance, but then they said they learned so much going through the process that it, uh, you know, uh, if if they should think about uh, getting married again, uh, th they'll be going into it with uh, a, a, a you know a, a whole different kind of uh, approach and attitude and understanding of of what marriage is. Uh, you know, sometimes I hear people kind of say, it, you know, uh, it, you know, it's a real expensive kind of proposition. Okay, well, we hear that a lot too, um, <laughs> on both counts. There, uh, <laughs> we hear people after the process feel like they've really uh, gained some awareness of themselves and maybe some of the pitfalls that they'd fallen into, and they're able to avoid that. Uh, but also, uh, I want to assure everybody that's listening that. At the Diocese of Fargo, there is no charge uh, for uh, asking us to look at the marriage. There's no charge for the annulment process. Um, we do ask for a donation when it's over, but that's, that's neither here nor there. And I think that's true with almost all the tribunals uh, in our province, uh, that uh, the Holy Father has asked that we make this inexpensive or free, and so our bishop uh, decided to make this process entirely, entirely free. Okay, great. Thank you, Father. We have a, a listener on the line with a with a question. Mary. Yes. Hi. Hello, Father. <laughs> Hello. My question is: When somebody says, "Will you pray for me?" and you say yes. What is your obligation to pray? Do you just say happy thoughts, or uh, I mean, how can a priest pray for everybody individually who asks for prayer? And the same thing with individuals. Okay. Well, when somebody asks you to pray, of course, we're supposed to pray for each other. Intercessory prayer is part of the Christian life, uh, and you say yes, I'll pray for you. Uh, you're making a a promise, and so you have sort of a moral obligation to pray. That doesn't mean you have to spend, you know, five hours in prayer for that, unless that's, that's what's moved. All you have to do is, is simply say a simple prayer for that person's intention. It could be as simple as just a Hail Mary or something like that, uh, asking them to do so. And that's what I do when somebody says, would you pray for me or pray for this intention? Um, I will say some, some kind of prayer or, you know, it depends on the situation. If it's a really radical situation, I might pray the rosary or something like that. Uh, if it's just a simple thing, just a simple prayer. And I think that's that's all that's required. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mary, for your call. And for your, anyone else, the number to call with your questions, 877-795-0122. We have Father Jim Goodwin from the Diocese of Fargo to, to answer your questions. And we're looking forward to uh, getting some calls. And if you don't want to call, you can also, uh, you can also uh, send your questions in on Facebook. We have another call. 
No, I'm sorry. I, I misheard, Darren. Okay, well, uh, again, the number is 877-795-0122. And uh, again, if you want to send your question in by Facebook, you can certainly do that. And uh, uh, we don't have anybody on the line right now, so we're, we're wide open and we're ready for your calls. But, uh, Father, I guess, uh, again, kind of getting back to your... Uh, uh, your position with the uh, the diocese as a, a, a canonist, canonist uh, besides the tribunal, you know what other things you know are kind of come into your purview. Okay, well, uh, sometimes there is a realignment of parishes, and that's not just something that civil law deals with, but also canon law. So if you're going to merge parishes, uh, there's a canonical process that has to go be gone through. If you're going to alienate church property, there's a canonical process. There's uh, canon law governs uh, the f uh, financial affairs of the diocese. So they, they have to follow not only civil law on that, but also they have to follow canon law. Sometimes there's property issues uh, that come up. Uh, sometimes there's uh, personnel issues. Disputes happen. Uh, and that's part of the thing with the tribunal is often people come in and there's a dispute. Uh, so we're the ones that they come to to see what the law says or to make a judgment in their particular case. So it can be really, it's a legal system. So it's any kind of law that civil law deals with, we also deal with in the tribunal. Right. Well, what if a person had a, uh, a bone to pick with their pastor and, uh, and they, they wanted to take it somewhere? They wouldn't necessarily go to you for that, would they? Uh, probably not. Uh, we would uh, we would refer them to the vicar general's office right now, and if he's listening, he's probably cringing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's normally the first person that they would go to would be the vicar general. Uh, we would only become involved if there's a a canonical issue uh, in terms of the pastor. Uh, then they might consult with us as to what the law might say. Okay, uh, we have another caller. We have uh, on the line, and it's Damien. Okay, Damien, are you there? You're on. You're on Real Presence Live, and uh, Father's waiting for your question. Hi. Well, my question was: God made the angels. Did He let them have a choice to be bad or good right away, or if He didn't, when did He? Okay. Very good. Good question. Uh, it's about the holy angels. You might want to repeat that question, Father. Sure. I was asked. Uh, whether or not when God uh, created the holy angels, if uh, right away he gave them the ability to choose to be good or evil. Uh, my understanding, I'm not an expert in angelology. That's actually something within the church that people study angels. That's an actual uh, word. That's an actual word. And uh, my understanding is that at when they were created, they were indeed given free will, and they could at that moment choose to follow God or choose to go against God and that some of them chose to go against God, and they became uh, what we call demons. They're, they're the bad angels. Uh, but also those that chose to, to follow God are the good angels. And one of the, the beautiful things, uh, one of the feasts that I like best in the church is uh, on October the 2nd, the Feast of the Guardian Angels. And it's a great comfort to each of us that the church teaches that each of us receives our own angel, our own guardian angel, and he's with us 24-7 throughout our life, trying to guide us and to help us. And many people, uh, hopefully they remember uh, when they were children, praying 
the guardian angel prayer before they would go to sleep. Uh, and that's a beautiful prayer. I still say it every night before I go to bed, and I say it in the morning too, asking my guardian angel to help me and to guide me uh, throughout the day. And so we're never alone. Sometimes we feel like, you know, there's nobody around, nobody that can uh, listen to us or understand us, but we, God loves us so much that he gave us one of these very powerful beings uh, that uh, their job is to protect and to help us, and we can always uh, talk to them. Does that answer your question, Damien? Yes, thank you. Okay, You're well, welcome. thank you for your call. Now, a, a num couple of years ago or so, it seemed like it was kind of a popular thing to name your guardian angel. Do you recall that? And then I think there were some cautions about that. Yeah, I do remember that. And in fact, I believe that uh, when uh, they asked, I'm not sure which congregation in Rome dealt with it, but uh, they they ask us not to do that. Uh, if your guardian angel has a name, <laughs> then that's a name between the that angel and God. We don't know it, uh, but we don't we don't get to name them. Uh, but that doesn't matter. You know, we say you know just say my guardian angel, I I need some help, and ask them ask that that angel to pray for you. And I think that's that's sort of been the tradition of the church. Certain angels are named in tradition, St. Michael, St. Gabriel, St. Raphael. Uh, those three are named, and you can certainly invoke them by name because we've been given their names. Okay. Well, we, we're waiting for some more questions. If anybody has one, uh, the, the lines are open right now, and, and uh, we have one on the line. I'm, oh. I'm sorry. Hello. You're on the air. Oh, that's fine. This is uh, Ron from Tyndall, South Dakota. Thank you for your ministry. God bless you. Thank you. Um, I, I have a question. My daughter called me last night. She lives in Colorado. She was somewhere, and they had a box of stuff they were giving away. And she looked in there, and I'm not sure if it was a crucifix or a cross, but there was kind of like a little box with had shelves in it, and then there was some little containers. And some of them said, holy oil, holy water, holy dirt. I, I think it was about six containers. I'm, I don't recall what the other containers were. Um, my question was, how would you verify the legit, legitimacy of that? Um, I, I told her to take it to a Catholic priest there someplace and have him look at it and see what he thought. Okay. I, if I'm not mistaken, I wouldn't know if I had, unless I saw the, the crucifix. But, right, right. Uh, these kind of crucifixes, uh, it was probably olive wood and probably uh, comes from the Holy Land. And what they do is they'll put some, some water and earth and oil and stuff from the Holy Land. So those aren't really relics. Okay. Those are just uh, okay. reminders of the Holy Land. So uh, these are common. You can buy them in Jerusalem and places like that if you go. So uh, I would suspect that that's uh, what it is. And often it'll be stamped on the back. It'll say Jerusalem or the Holy Land or, or something like that. So have her look at that. And uh, chances are that's what it is. Okay. Thank you very much. You're Certainly. Welcome. Thank you for your call. Well, he also, this brings up another question. I think that a lot of us, you know, have to deal with uh, Catholics at one time or another. And that is when you have holy objects that are broken, in, how do you dispose of them? You, you may have a, 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 a rosary that's been broken and you still have the crucifix and it might be metal or you may have a statue that's uh, you know uh, been broken and uh, some of these things 
you know, you can't burn. What what is the proper disposition of of those kinds of things? Well, traditionally, the church uh, says that we should just bury those things. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you might have to wait a while, or you know, until spring. It looks like we're going to be getting winter soon <laughs> enough, and it's going to freeze up. But uh, but then simply uh, bury them uh, in a in a reverent kind of way, and and that takes care of it. Right, because I don't think there is probably anybody out there who's listening who doesn't have a uh, a medal or a crucifix from a a, a rosary and it's like okay what do i do right right <laughs> you know and you you, you know you, you me i kind of hesitate the idea of burying it but that's what you do and yep. uh let nature take its course and eventually that will probably be kind of brought back into you know the earth so to speak okay uh I think the lines are open. The number to call with your question is 877-795-0122. Or you can also submit your question on Facebook. And the lines are open, and we're, 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 we're waiting for your call. Again, 795-0122, area code 877. Sorry, I'll, I'll put it in the proper order this time. 877-795-0122. Two, and we're talking with Father Jim Goodwin from the Diocese of Fargo, and he's here to entertain any questions that you might have on the Catholic faith. And uh, we're just waiting for for you to call in. And uh, one thing that uh, I don't know if people are aware of, but at least in the Diocese of Fargo, that this this week is especially dedicated to. Uh, the rosary because we're having a diocese rosary congress but it's different from some of the others in that it's traveling sort of uh, each day in a different parish and different deanery but all the parishes of the diocese were asked to sort of participate in this and of course the whole month of october is dedicated to the holy rosary Uh, so uh, the bishop is encouraging all catholics especially during this month uh, to to pray the rosary and to uh, ask for the intercession of Mary for our church and for our diocese and, and for our world, which is sadly in need of prayer. Right. <laughs> More so than ever. Um, well, uh, is far, anybody on the line yet, Aaron? No? We, okay, I'm going to throw the number out there. I'm sure that there are people that have questions. Uh, 877-795-0122, and that's the number to call right now for Straight Talk with Father Jim Goodwin from the Diocese of Fargo, and we're, he's standing by to answer whatever questions you might have from the Catholic faith. Maybe we have some non-Catholics out there who are also tuned in. We'd like to hear from you as well. He's calling from Sioux Falls. Hi, Brittany. And thanks, thanks for calling. <laughs> yeah, um, and when reading Scripture, I've heard it both ways, but I want to know the difference when to use blessed versus when using blessed, since it's spelled the same way. <laughs> yes, yes, that's, that's a good question, because uh, you know, I've wondered about that myself, because uh, I'm, I'm wondering if it's even just like a regional thing, uh, what idiom people learn. I've heard it both ways, blessed or blessed. Uh, either way is fine, at least in my understanding of English, uh, but I'm, I'm thinking this is more of a regional kind of issue, that some, uh, some areas of the country are more inclined to say it one way and others are not, but uh, as far as I can tell, it's the same either way. Okay, I was just making sure that I wasn't 
making a mistake by using them interchangeably. Nope, I think you're fine. I think a lot of people do. Can I? Oh, okay, thank you. Can I offer my non-clerical response? Go right ahead. Maybe you're an expert uh, well, in English. I, I think that the term "blessed" is more like a title, like you know, in in your state, in, on your your uh, your progressive to sainthood, venerable, blessed, ah, saint, versus you know, blessed as a term meaning you know, uh, graced. I guess would maybe be another way of saying it. But that's just my own spin on it because it's a question I've had for a long time as well. So thanks for bringing it up, Brittany. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Okay, thanks for calling and call again. Well, you are right. There I, are blessed. Uh, that, uh, like blessed John Henry Newman, for instance, who's going to be canonized soon. Uh, he'll become Saint uh, John Henry Newman. Uh, in the church, the difference is that uh, someone who is blessed has a miracle attributed to them. Uh, but uh, after the second miracle, then they move up to be canonized. Okay, we have another call. Dan from Fargo. Dan? Yes, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. The, uh, I am a uh, sixth grade uh, catechist and teach religious ed on, on Wednesday nights. And we, uh, you know, started with creation and, or, you know, divine revelation and creation. And, and we were talking about covenants last week and uh, the covenants that God made with uh, Noah as an example. And uh, the kids asked me a question that I didn't quite know how to answer it. Um, when, when uh, you know, how could God uh, uh, wipe away kind of all, all uh, people and just save Noah and, and God remains without sin? Um, and, you know, the, our discussion led into, you know, this was kind of like baptism and, and kind of wiping away uh, our sins. And, but I, I just didn't quite know how to answer uh, the part about how could how could God wipe away uh, people like that, and and so I just wanted to ask you that. Well, I think I think you were on the right track of of where you were going. That uh, remember the people of Noah's time were extremely sinful; that they were doing yeah. horrendous horrendous things, and sin always carries with it consequences. Uh, so. The idea was that here we had Noah and uh, the righteous who had this ark. Uh, there were eight of them, and they, and the water washed away the sin and left them uh, cleansed. So the idea of the church is always, uh, we talk about typology, that this is a type of salvation, a type of the church. So the church itself is the ark of salvation, uh, we enter into it through baptism, which washes away sin and kills the old person within us. We die in baptism. The old Adam dies in us so that we can rise up and be made new. And so what's happening back then is what's happening now. And even the, the number of eight, the symbol of eight, it's the seven days of creation plus one. So it's the idea of new creation. So that being baptized into the church uh, makes us new creations. And so we become new men in Christ. And so when you look at the story that way, what's the story really trying to say? What's the story pointing us to? Well, we see that now in the light of the new covenant. 
And the new covenant, we can look back and say, ah, this is what God was trying to tell us. In fact, uh, this is an interesting thing that when, when you walk into the church, uh, what, what do you do when you get to the door? You dip your hands in holy water as a remembrance of your baptism and make the sign of the cross, remembering that our salvation was won for us by what? By death, the death of Christ on the cross and then his resurrection. And we enter into the church, and the part of the church we enter into is called the nave, meaning like navel, like the boat. And indeed, some churches were built to look like upturned boats. So the idea, in a sense, is that the church building itself is like an ark, a boat. And so we enter into it through baptism, and we remember that when every time that we make that sign of the cross using holy water at the font at the door. So we see even the scriptural symbolism of the simple act of walking into the church. So the sixth graders can think about that every time they walk in uh, to the church of what's going on. Uh, what happened back in Noah's day is now happening newly in their life. That is fantastic. And uh, I didn't have all that uh, to provide them last week. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's great. Well, I'm glad to be helpful. Yeah, I appreciate that, and uh, I will uh, share that with them tonight at our, our Wednesday night gathering, so I appreciate it. Okay, thanks, thanks, Dan, for your call, and call again. Thank you. Again, we've, we've got uh, about four minutes until the break, uh, so we still have time for another quick question with, uh, f with, uh, with Father, and uh, the number to call is 877 zero one two two so give us a call and uh we'll we'll field your question as as best we can and uh, we've had some great questions this morning it's kind of fun to have them coming in and it'd be nice to have one more uh on the line before we go out today uh again the number is seven eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two Unless, Father, you've got something that uh, you would like to tell people in our listening audience that uh, no one has asked about, but you think they should know. Okay. <laughs> I'm kind of putting you on the spot with that one. Well, first, going back to how we started, I really would like to encourage anyone who is in some kind of an irregular marriage situation or they're, they're wondering what to do, uh, to please approach their pastor or approach us at the tribunal. Uh, that's what we're there for. Uh, it's... We try to make the process as easy as possible for people. Uh, you know, some people don't approach because they don't want to reopen old wounds, but sometimes old wounds can fester if you don't deal with them. And so we really want to help them. So I would just encourage anyone who is in a marriage situation uh, that, that they believe needs to be looked at to come and uh, speak to us or speak to their pastor, and, and we're there uh, happy and ready to help. Right, and I know you're also there to answer questions from the parishes and maybe some of the other Catholic ministries that we have within the diocese, at least, you know, for the Diocese of Fargo, and I'm sure every other diocese probably has their, uh, the, well, they have a tribunal for sure, and, uh, and canonists on staff. I know in the course of my work with a Catholic with a Catholic health ministry, I had occasion to call in with a, with a, uh, a question that had to deal with, uh, you know, dealing with the uh, patrimony and the the alienation of property which you know fortunately we won't get into that today here on the air because i think i'd have to try to remind myself exactly what patrimony <laughs> means in the first place 
Oh, we have Katie quickly then. Okay, Katie. Hi. Hi. Yeah, I was just I was just wondering. Um, I usually wear a scapular, but I kind of stopped when my uh, infant son likes to grab with it and play with it. So I was wondering um, if you get the same benefits if you have it on your person, like if I have it in my pocket during the day instead of wearing it around my neck. Okay. Well, I wear the scapular too, and uh, yeah, uh, kids can be grabby on scapulars or anything else that takes their interest. So I I know what that's like. Um, yeah, I would think so. Uh, I mean, if you're impeded from wearing it and you're still carrying it with you, uh, I think that you would receive the same benefit. And I'm glad. Okay, you, awesome. Thank you so much. I'm glad you asked the question because I have the same question too. But mine's in the context. I go to the Y, and when I work out, you know, the uh, the scapular gets sweaty, and I would just as soon have it last a little bit longer and probably be a little bit cleaner as well. Right. I think you can. You know, if you're doing something like that, or you take a shower, you can take the scapula off, and then you just put it back on again. Okay, great. Well, I think we've pretty much uh, exhausted the questions and exhausted our time. And, uh, you know, we certainly want to thank everybody who called in or uh, with their questions today, because that's what the program is all about. And we certainly encourage people to call in. And if you didn't call in today, think about uh, calling in tomorrow. And uh, this segment is on at 930 Central every Monday through Friday.